the topic I have for us tonight, and Keith, I was just kind of thinking as, as he was talking about the how the Lord speaks to you. It's 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 strange also how the Lord brings messages, how the Lord impresses us with with sermon thoughts. Sometimes it comes to me in a song. Um, sometimes it comes in a passing comment that somebody makes and all of a sudden a phrase will leap out and I begin to dwell on that and it begins to materialize into something else sometimes I go back through old notes and I'll find a bullet point in an old note that's got, a, got something in it and all of a sudden a sermon develops out of that the one I've got tonight was is a message that, or a Wednesday night message that I taught on in 2008. And I sat down and I began to, I, I looked at it and I thought, you know what, this is good. I, I, need, to, I need to just kind of polish this up because if we can sing a song more than once, we can preach a sermon more than once. And... Uh, so this morning I sat down to the computer and all I was going to do was give a, a fresh introduction to it. Well, the only thing that is original is the scripture because once I started typing, it just took off. And some of you that teach Sunday school and all that, you know how, how that goes. Uh, God just began to roll it out. And it's nothing like what I taught in 2008, but it is the same idea. And uh, so anyway, I want to talk to us tonight about careful thoughts. No, it's not. That's not, a, that's not something you're going to shout about. Um, but it's something that's very important. I wonder sometimes if we really realize how important our thought process really is. Abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And there's a lot of verses that talk about things like that, about what's in, in the heart. I can promise you what's in the heart started in the mind. And, you know, it's something that, that we, have to, we have to be aware of, that our thoughts are very, very important to us. Now, you may not think... This is all that important. But before we get through tonight, I hope you will have a different feeling on the topic. So often when we deal with this topic, we find ourselves concentrating on negative thoughts. And, and that was the thing that kind of leaped out at me. We, we, we concentrate on negative thoughts, sinful thoughts. But tonight we're going to go look at this in a little broader scale. There are two kinds of thoughts, and both kinds can produce both good and bad thoughts. The first kind of thought is that thought that comes out of nowhere and surprises you beyond belief. And every one of us has been there. Where in the world did that come from? You know, I mean, that's not even anything like me. What, what, where did that come from? And... Uh, then the second kind of thought would be that thought process that's like a day, it's like daydreaming. It's where we, we just sit there and we daydream. Uh, kind, of live, kind of live like in a fantasy world. Uh, the first kind of thought, the one that comes out of nowhere, you have no control over. <laughs> you, you didn't plan it, and, but it happened, and you had no control over it. But the second kind of thought, the daydreaming thoughts, are totally thoughts that you and I are able to control or instigate. The Apostle Paul in his writings to the Philippian church said this in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, 
or if there be any praise. Think on these things. Think on these things. A child of God is admonished and instructed to have control of his or her own thoughts. In other words, it is within our power to have control of those thoughts that are in our mind. Now, yes, I did say there are those thoughts that just blindside you out of nowhere. That you can't control. However, there are principles, and we're not going to get into this tonight, but there are principles that we can live by that will minimize those from out of nowhere thoughts. It will minimize those type of thoughts. You, you and I do possess the ability to think only on what is true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. We do have that ability to do that. Just as the, as the scripture just said in Philippians 4.8, it is our decision as to where our mind goes. Did you hear what I just said? It is our decision as to where our mind goes. The psalmist said, well, before I even get there, let me just back up. It's our, it is our decision as to where our mind goes. One of the reasons that people struggle so much in trying to live for God is they have never curbed their thought process. They've never taken control of it. There are thoughts that can enter your mind that can make you even feel just plumb dirty. There are thoughts that can enter your mind that, that after a while they, be, they begin to tantalize you and they, begin, they, they become appealing to you. The thing you have to do and I have to do is to recognize those thoughts that enter our mind that are not good for us and stop them before they get started. I've, you know, I've heard old timers say, you know, the devil's always sitting on your shoulder, whispering in your ear. And whether that's the way it comes or not, I have no idea. Uh, but it's but it's a pretty good explanation, and it puts it in a living picture that you and I can understand. That kind of helps us get a hold of where did that thought come from. There was something that, that prompted it. There was something that instigated it. I, I'm, I'm, and, and this may be something I touch on a little later, I'm not sure, but um, the things that we, that we open ourselves up to, the types of music, the types of entertainment, after a while, they can become fertile ground for thoughts. And it's very important for us it's our decision. It's mine and your decision as to where our mind goes or as to what our mind is open to, to receive. Now, you're driving down the highway and there's a billboard. I mean, the billboard's there, you can't help it. I mean, I come over the overpass there by LC and there's the lottery billboard and I keep wondering when is somebody I know going to win that thing <laughs> alright very good I knew you would brother David <laughs> I guarantee you never mind I'm not going to the psalmist said in Psalms 119.59, he said, I thought on my ways, listen to this, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I thought on my ways and I turned my feet. There's a couple of schools of thought that can come out of that. You know, I thought on my ways and I realized I need his ways. 
I thought on my thoughts, those thoughts that I didn't control. I, I thought on them and I said, oh, to myself, oh, I've got to protect myself. So I'm turning myself toward his testimonies, toward his goodness. You know, there are times that we have to build barricades, fences, walls. We have to build something that keeps us away from things that are dangerous to us. Don and I are getting ready to go up to the Smoky Mountains here in the next week or so. You know, I don't go for Gatlinburg. I go for the National Park. I just think it's the most beautiful. It, it, that's got to be what heaven's going to look like. Just got to be. And um, But on those roads going up through there, there's always those guardrails. Those guardrails are there. Very seldom do, do you see one of those guardrails that have been scraped. Every now and then you'll see one. And I guarantee the person that hits it or scraped it is very thankful it was there. But I promise you, if those guardrails weren't up there, there'd be more people that would run over the edge of those. It's something about a guardrail there that causes you to keep things in its perspective and keeps you in the lane you're supposed to be in. I mean, because if you get too far over there, you're going to hit that guardrail. Well, bless your heart, I'd rather hit the guardrail than I had to go off of the, off of the cliff. But we will sit there and do our best not to hit the guardrail. And what the real benefit is, is it kept you away from danger. I remember story that was told and you've probably heard me tell it before but a guy applied for a job driving a truck driving an 18 wheeler and three of them showed up and uh, for the job and so this one guy gets out there with the instructor and he says okay guys he said all of you have passed all your tests everything looks good he said, this is your final test. He said, I want to see how good a driver you are. He said, here's the cliff. And we got this level area here, but here's the cliff. I want to see how close you can get to that cliff. So the first driver gets up in the truck, does his deal, pulls up there, shuts everything down, sets his air brakes, gets out. I mean, he's right there. He's right at the edge of the cliff. And so the other guy, the other two guys look at one another. The second guy says, boy, that's going to be hard to beat, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So he gets up in the truck, cranks it up. He makes a, a circle, and he comes around, and sure enough, he beats the first guy. I mean, he's right there. I mean, it's, it's so close that the tires are just right there in line with the edge of the, of the cliff. I mean, there's no way the third guy's even got a chance. I mean, how do, you, how do you get any closer than that? So the second guy walks away, you know, like, I've slam dunked this, I've got this. So the third guy gets up in the truck, cranks it up. He takes off, makes his loop, pulls over next to the edge of the mountain, sets the air brakes, kills the engine, gets out. The instructor says, what are you doing? He said, we were seeing how close we could get. He said, well, if I get this job, I'm going to see how far away from that cliff I can get. The instructor looked at him and says, you got the job. I don't want to play with disaster. I just, you know, and, and, and let's 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 be honest about it tonight. Up here between our ears, it's fertile ground for a disaster. 
if you don't take control of it. Well, but I've got the Holy Ghost and that's a Holy Ghost response. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Holy Ghost is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. It's up to you as to what you're going to put in and what you're going to allow in there. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. You, know, you just got to, you got to make up your mind. Just thinking about the good things that God has done for us individually, just thinking about the good things God has done for us individually is enough for us to turn the totality of our thoughts toward him. Just thinking about his goodness and what he's done for you is enough to cause us to turn our thoughts toward him. You, I, I, there's an old song, count your blessings, name them one by one. If you've lived for God any time at all, you, you've walked in that place of, of blessing where you know that you were blessed by God by, by something that happened and you know it couldn't have happened any other way. It had to be God. 1 Samuel 12, 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all of your heart. For consider how great things He hath done for you. In other words, think on them. Think on those things that He has done for you. If it doesn't put a song in your heart, then I wonder, I wonder about how grateful we are. The psalmist said, the psalmist in Psalms 19 paints for us a word preacher that should arrest our thoughts to the betterment of our souls. This is what it says. And I'm going to pick it up at the seventh verse. So it's a, this is a good chapter. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It is. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. But that right there, we can stop right there on that one verse and, and, and have Bible study right there. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You know what? It just feels good to do right. Now, I understand that, the, that there's pleasure in sin. I understand that. But there's also a cleanliness that comes from being right in our thoughts and in our actions. And when you live by the statutes of the Lord, then that should, put, that, that should put rejoicing in the heart. It says the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The purity of the commandments shows the way much clearer. I like to say it like this. Living by God's commandments keeps life in its proper perspective. The commandments of God are not suggestions. A lot of people treat them like they are suggestions. Or the fact that I can violate them at my will because he's just to forgive me. That's a dangerous way to live. Because I'm really wondering, since he looks on, he's a God that looks on the heart when we ask for, for forgiveness. If we willfully violated his commandments, are we sincerely sorry for what we've done? And he's only going to forgive us according to the sincerity of our heart. I mean, if your prayer of forgiveness is just a, a blanket, Lord, forgive me, then you didn't get very far. But when you start singling out the fact that, Lord, this has been a rough day. 
My thoughts have not been what would be pleasing to you. I have, I have violated every, every principle that I, that I can think of in, the word, in your word. I need your refreshing. I need your forgiveness. That's, a, that's more of a sincere prayer than just, Lord, if I've done anything today that wasn't pleasing you, forgive me. Living by God's commandments keeps life in its proper perspective. Verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. When you fear the Lord and you follow His principles in all things, then there is a cleanliness that comes from that respect for Him. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Now listen, when you read those, those verses there, the psalmist is not throwing down an ultimatum here about the judgments of the Lord. He is simply saying, they are more desirable than gold because life is sweeter when we live life according to God's plan for us. That, that, that's all he's saying there. Who can understand his errors? Verse 12. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. In other words, cleanse me of secret sin. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous or arrogant sins. Let them not have dominion over me. In other words, don't let, don't let those sins rule me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And then verse 14, which is to me is what this chapter is, is most noted for. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let me, let me just ask you this, and, and not asking for a show of hands or an acknowledgement of any type, but would the words of your mouth that you spoke today, would they be acceptable to the Lord? Or, or would you, if the Lord would have walked in while you were talking to somebody today, would you have had to change the topic or change the tone? The words of my mouth. What about the meditations of your heart? What if sitting at your desk or at the counter or, or wherever you were today, if everybody could have looked at the meditations of your heart like you're looking at that big screen up there and they could see everything you were meditating on. What would they have seen? Maybe some of you are sitting there saying, I do wish she would shut up over there in that other cubicle. If she don't shut up, I'm going to go over there and pull every one of her hair out, you know. Ah, see, that's, that's thoughts. He must think he runs this place around here. I'd like to tell him a thing or two. What if all that was on the screen where everybody could see it? Well, he sees it. With the words of my mouth. But see, here's the, here's the problem. We're, we're not afraid of him seeing that because he's full of mercy. And his mercies are made new every day. But I go back to what I said a while ago when we start praying that prayer of forgiveness. Did we, do we even really realize 
that those thoughts were damaging? I mean, we're, if the thoughts you had were, were bad thoughts toward another individual, do you realize that you're talking about one of God's children? He's going to defend them just like he would defend you. And your thoughts and my thoughts, they're on the screen. He can see it. So when I pray that generic prayer of forgiveness, am I even smitten by the fact that, Lord, I have violated I have violated the word, your word that is, is precious to me. I've had thoughts that were not wholesome and they were not good towards your creation. Well, the Lord knows they get on your nerves. In fact, the Lord may have created them that way just to get on your nerves, just to make you a better individual. The Lord could have put them in your life for a reason. The 14th verse puts it all into perspective for all of us. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. Lord, it's got to be acceptable to him. What what if after I have thought some of the thoughts that, that enter my mind, what if that's when Gabriel blows the horn? Well, Brother Bruce, I don't know if that would... If that would cause me to be lost. I don't know whether it would or not. But I, there, is there a reason to take the chance at it? The acceptability of the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will not just happen. It takes intentional, careful thoughts. Y'all, we, we have got to realize this is a very dangerous area in our hearts and in our lives. If we are not careful to protect ourselves from from thoughts and situations, then you're going to walk into a service somewhere or you're going to walk into the job or you're you're going to go somewhere and something's going to be said and the next thing you know, you're harboring bad thoughts and bad feelings toward people that you used to be very close to. I've watched watched churches dissolve over misunderstandings. I think misunderstandings is one thing, but Why did we ever open ourselves up in the first place that there would be a misunderstanding? It starts with uncontrolled thoughts. Those thoughts that just take off, well, if they said that, then they probably also meant this. And and then it just goes from there. It takes a disciplined life that is not tossed about by every little breeze that blows. In other words, your thoughts are not predicated upon what winds of gossip or storms of ungodly entertainment will produce in your life. And those things I just mentioned, gossip and ungodly entertainment, are the very things that create fertile ground for improper thoughts to begin to take place. And thoughts will eventually become actions. Let me go ahead and say it. Improper thoughts will create a bad attitude. If you are constantly, if 
you constantly are dealing with a bad attitude in your own life, I ask you, I challenge you, back up and look at your thought process. What are you dwelling on? I, I think about Sister Ragusa and the things that she was sharing with us Sunday, and I, and I couldn't help but... I don't know if you noticed it or not. The whole time she's talking to us, there was a smile that was just imprinted upon her face. She had every right not to be smiling. But somewhere along the line, she decided, no. I'm not going to let the negativity, I'm not going to let what happened to me a long time ago ruin the rest of my life. I'm going to put it under the blood. I'm going to put it in the hands of Jesus. And if I've got to do it every minute of every hour of every day, I will continue to do that. But I am not going to be drowned by thoughts that produce a bad attitude. Don't tell me these things don't affect you. Gossip and, and entertainment. Don't, don't tell me they, they don't affect you. They will and they do. They will and they do. You can only listen to so many beer drinking and cheating songs till after a while beer drinking and cheating is just not as bad as it used to be. And I like the sound of twin fiddles and a, and a steel guitar as much as anybody. I mean, I like, I like that country sound. But I've also realized that since music is such an important part of me, that's an area I cannot, I, I don't have the luxury to, maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you've got your Sirius XM radio set on one of the country stations and that's all you listen to. I challenge you. Find something else. Because you cannot live in that world bombarded by those things every moment of every hour of every day and not be affected by it. It's going to affect you. If you are a child of God, there comes a place where you have to distance yourself from those things. Well, Brother Bruce, I like music. Well, I try, try Enlighten. Channel 65, for, for those of you that are wondering where I, what I'm talking about on Sirius XM. There's the message. And then, what's the other one? Praise. Praise, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's something out there that you can listen to, that, that you can identify with, that puts good things in. Because you can't, You can't keep ingesting negativity and spit out positivity. You just can't do it. The words, the actions, the pictures you ingest will create a world of thoughts that sometimes is very hard to control. Sometimes it's even impossible to control. Listen to the instructions of the psalmist. This gets, gets us where we live. This is Psalms 101, and I'm going to read eight verses here, verses 1 through 8, and it's from the New Living Translation. He says this, I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. Okay? I will be careful to live a... Listen to the word. I will be careful... I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? In other words, you've got to start it out. You've got to take the first step. I, I used to hear my daddy as he's given an altar call. And daddy would say, if you'll take the first step into the aisle, the Lord will take the rest of them with you. But you've got to take the first step. First step is yours. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own 
home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Oh, that, that this would be the cry of every child of God. If every one of us would, would take those eight verses and apply them and live by them, pray them, I'm going to tell you what, you would find a drastic change in you. If we are filled with His Spirit, then we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. If we are new creatures, then we are expected to act as new creatures. Paul, in, in, in his writings to the Romans in chapter 12, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, this is a verse you can quote, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, this is not too hard. A life of careful thoughts is a reasonable service. We will be what we think about. I'll say it again. We will be what we think about. If mine are, and your thoughts are continually motiva motivated by this flesh and its desires, then we will fall short of the expectations the Lord has for us. As I prepare to close, let's, let's take our, our, our thought process totally into the realm of goodness. And I said a few mo moments ago, we will be what we think about. We will be what we think about. What if our thoughts were on the goodness and the grace, greatness of God continually? How would we change? What would yours and my life look like through the eyes of God possibility thoughts? What would yours and my life look like? through the eyes of God possibility thoughts. In other words, every mountain we see, every trial that comes against us, every what if we saw all of them as God possibilities instead of oh me. I, I don't know if you realize it or not, but scripture paints for us what this kind of life would look like. Because Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now if faith is the substance of things hoped for, doesn't that fall under the heading of careful thoughts? Hoped. If you're hoping for something, it, doesn't that start with thoughts? Instead of thinking about how bad it could be, what about the possibility that this could be a miracle? You're going to hear about a miracle Sunday. Got something special for you. You're going to hear, hear about a miracle Sunday. And it's a bona fide miracle. It's not 
just just a suggestion what if we what if our our minds and our hearts instead of dwelling on the fact whatever it is that was said maybe somebody said the company is fixing to lay everybody off or whatever the and your, and your mind begins to oh god what, what am i going what if our just our natural reaction was simply well, I wonder what kind of job God's got for me. Because it's got to be better than this one. Otherwise, he wouldn't take this one away from me. What if that's the way we automatically thought? If faith is the substance of things hoped for, doesn't that fall under the heading of careful thoughts? If that is true, then our careful thoughts become the evidence of the things we have not seen yet. <laughs> In other words, what I'm trying to say to you is this. Why can't we dwell on the possibilities of God more than we can dwell on how bad life may get? Well, at least look, amen. I know it's Wednesday. I know you're tired. I understand that, but just look, amen. You do understand that when we dwell on life and how bad things may be, we usually go in our thoughts to how much worse it can get. The doctor said that he thought it could be cancer. The next thing you know, oh, I've got cancer. I mean, everything I read. My mom used to have one of them med medical books. If you got one at home that tells you all these symptoms, go home and throw the thing away. Because if you, if you get to reading it, you will have almost every symptom in that book. <laughs> I don't have time to tell that. Uh, let's, turn, let's turn that whole idea around from how worse it can get and let our thoughts become substance of our faith in God and what we dwell on let it metamorphose into the evidence of the good things to come from our Lord for clarity's sake instead of dwelling on how bad things are let's change it to how great things will become if we but trust him you know, you do realize we've read the back of the book. We win. Okay? If I can praise and I can rejoice and I can applaud that, then while I'm in the middle of the book where I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, let me remember I've read the back of the book. And while I'm in the valley, and it's, and it's horrible all around me, I understand that his rod and his staff, they are there to comfort me. That was pretty good. That's not in my notes. You need to write that down. <laughs> the Apostle Paul said this, Romans 8, and we know that all things, <laughs> and I live in this scripture, all things work together for the good of them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. I, I don't understand why some things happen. I can't understand why this happened and that happened and why this person died, that, that person got better. I, I, 
This one lost his business. This one's business is just exploding. That one lost his job. This one got a, got a better job. I don't understand all of the ins and outs. But again, I read the back of the book. We win. Somewhere along the line, I've got to understand even my junk, even the bad things in my life, if I will allow it, if I will allow it, it will become something good for me. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. You know what that verse really means? It means all things. Everything. Both good and bad will at some point work together for our good. So let me close with this verse that we began with tonight. Finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, and whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, you read the last line, last part. Do it again. Think on these things. Think on these things. If it doesn't fall under the category of true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if it don't fall under those categories, ditch it. Get rid of it. It doesn't have a place in the life of a child of the king. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not. And I know the queen died. And there's been a lot of things that have been reported and said. The life of a prince or a princess is supposed to be smooth because they're children of the king. The prince and the princess is served by the staff, by those that, that are subjects in the kingdom. The prince and the princess has no want of anything because everything is provided for them. Well, you and I are princes and princesses in his kingdom. And it is his good pleasure to bless us and to provide for us and to take care of us. And there is a host of heaven's angels that are simply waiting for him to give the orders and the directives. Oh, they have their marching orders. Their marching orders are that if we have made him the most high, our rock, that he has given his angels charge over us that lest we dash a foot against a stone, they are there to bear us up. They have their marching orders. But they're also there walking through the valley of the shadow of death with you. Walking through the shadow of a marital situation or a job situation or a financial situation. And those angels are constantly looking over their shoulder back to the Father. Okay, do I do it now? Do I bless them now? Is this now the time? Because we are princes and princesses in his kingdom. That's who we are. And he's looking to do 
what is best for you and me. Amen. Why don't you stand? Careful thoughts. I want my thoughts to be pleasing and acceptable in his sight. Father, I give you thanks tonight for your love and for your goodness. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and and to share the word of God. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you for the inspiration that you gave while I was putting it together, but thank you for the inspiration that came while I was teaching. Those were not planned words. Those were words that you placed in my mouth, and I thank you for allowing me to speak those things. Somebody here needed those things, and I I thank you for speaking to their heart and saying what needed to be said. I ask you to look upon the heart of every individual that is here. Somebody may have come here tonight needing something totally different. God, you're able to take something I said or something someone will say to them before they leave and you're able to let it minister to their hearts as they need it to do. Because I ask you to make us all complete in this room tonight. That we all walk away with something. That we all walk away with a blessing from you. I ask it tonight for those that are watching online. I ask you for them as well. I pray that something has been said, something, something entered, a thought entered their mind that blessed them. May our thoughts be pleasing to you in all that we do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Why don't you lift your hands? Let's love him together in Jesus' name.